Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. This week's episode inspiration comes from literally every woman ever and a whole lot of men too. I touched briefly on this in a previous episode with model Jennifer Attila Mill, but body positivity is a really big issue for me. On that note, I do want to put a trigger warning on this episode as it discusses diet culture, anti-fat bias, body dysmorphia, all of that kind of stuff. If any of these topics raise issues for you, please skip this episode. If you do listen to this episode and feel you need more support, please visit butterfly.org.au. Yeah, so body positivity is really, really complicated and the body acceptance movement changes all the time and it's deeply embroiled in capitalism and racism and it's just a really super tricky topic to tackle. I have been gently dipping my toe in the waters of the body acceptance or body neutrality movement. And I've been following people on Instagram like Meg Boggs or your fat friend. And these two people do so much with educating me and helping me understand my own flawed relationship with my body. But I'm still so confused. I like my body. I really do. I'm very good to it. I exercise often and I eat well almost all of the time. However, with the amount of effort I put into my body, I've always believed it should look better than it does. It should be smaller, more toned, thinner, take up less space. I sit somewhere between a size 14 and a 16 most of the time. Generally, when my size 16 clothes get a touch tight on me, I go stricter with my diet and get back to down to a size 14. And then I repeat this cycle every few years. Most people wouldn't even notice this. I can gain and lose 10 kilos without anyone blinking an eye, but I feel different when my body is smaller. I love myself at both sizes, but I feel more comfortable when I'm smaller. It has nothing to do with appearance. It just has more to do with workouts being a little bit easier or my clothes being a little bit more comfortable. And I don't look at this as crash dieting, by the way. I see it as more of a natural fluctuation of weight and conscious body maintenance. But then I have to question, is that really right? Is everything I said actually true or have I been taught that this is the correct way to feel about my body? I used to think that I waxed my legs because I enjoyed the silky sensation of smooth skin, but the truth is I was taught to enjoy the silky sensation of smooth skin. My male partner wasn't taught this. So if it's so great, why doesn't he do it? And would I have ever even thought about how my legs feel if the beauty industry didn't bring it up all the time? If I lived in total isolation and my body looked the same as it does now, would I hate it? To be honest, I probably wouldn't even think about it. And I wish that we all had that. So this week's friend guest is my lovely, lovely friend, April from The Bodzilla. We've been online and real life mates for years and April is a walking apple pie. She's so positive and bright and gorgeous. Her smile is off the chain. You know, when you meet people and they smile at you and it's like you've been blessed by a rainbow, that's April to a T. She's just one of those mega infectious, joy-filled people. She does a lot of really excellent work in the body positivity space. And I thought she'd be an amazing person to chat to about improving your own self-talk habits around your body and improving the way you exist in the world when it comes to body positivity and body neutrality. This is my chat with April. Hey love, how's it going? How's your week been? 
Really good, really good. It's so I'm just so excited to talk to you because I feel like it's been such a long time, and uh, you know I think we've we've hung out in person before, and it's it's been super fun. So it's like catching up with an old friend. So yeah, week's good, and this is definitely a highlight. Oh, that's so exciting! We were just talking before we went on air about how the last time we saw each other, we just like randomly ran into each other in um, a little shopping mall in Canberra, and that was like that would honestly be about three years ago now. Yeah, definitely. And and it was sort of like one of those things where you're sort of like, hey, it's my friend from the internet. But I'm like, no, no, you're my actual friend because I've met yes. you in real life before. So it counts. I'm allowed to run up and be like, hi. So it was nice. No, definitely. And I'm the same with you, like, because we've been friends, like met in real life and hung out in real life. It's like, it's not just the internet anymore. It's for reals. We're for reals. <laughs> well, let's jump straight into it. So first of all, you're currently on a freaking billboard. I saw you posting about that on Instagram and on Facebook. Can you tell us how that happened? Cause it's awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so the billboard campaign, I honestly was so, it went from, getting a pair of swimmers from the brand and wearing them on a Christmas party in November last year, posted about that, did a little reel, you know, of me and my cozies, which was probably a first really for me. And they were kind of like, do you know what? We want to do something really exciting. We've got a lot of feedback from customers that they're like afraid to go to the beach that they don't, you know, they, well, they'll buy the cozy and then they just won't go, um, which I think we all relate to that. We purchase an outfit and then we don't wear it. Although you less than most people. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I sort of, you know, was like, yeah, I'll be part of it. What, you know, what are we going to do? And then as we chatted and came up with some ideas, uh, the slogan "Beach Please" came to came to be. So we thought, well, that's a, it's a nice cheeky way that it's very me, uh, but also a nice cheeky way to just say to people, um, come back to the beach, please. Don't don't be afraid to get into your cosy no matter what, and just have a good time. It's so cool. I remember when you when I first saw it on there, I was like, oh, my God, you're on a billboard. And then when you posted the photo of you standing in front of your own billboard, I was like, ah, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was the coolest. And I had a lot of people saying to me, you have to go and, like, sending me reference images of other amazing um, people who've had their billboards put up, like Yari Jones and, and other people who've been game changers. So it was kind of nice to be put into that category of people saying, you have to recreate this moment. So Where is the billboard again? And is it still up? It's not up at the moment, um, no. So the the campaign, ran, it was a short campaign, but it ran across digital billboards from Omedia, Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide, and, of course, Melbourne, which is where I was, on the corner of the... In the the Federation Mall. Square one. Uh, but Swanston Street. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, like, don't, I don't know. Was, I, was, I was standing across from the Swarovski store because the whole time I was like, hmm, I might go over there and have a look. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I remember. I was like, oh, yes, I'm standing here. And um, I was doing a lot of silly stuff. I was standing on chairs and letting people take my photo and talking to people and, and that kind of thing and being like, I had a couple of people walk past and they were looking at me looking like, what is she looking at? And then they were like, oh, is that you? I was like, yes, I look different with my clothes on. It's yes, that's me. <laughs> or you were just standing there going, um, guys, that's me. That's me on well, the billboard. There was a couple of people who were like, I just went, you like my billboard? Yeah, like, just, just like right there. <laughs> just, I mean, you get so little opportunity in life to do that. Why not? Exactly. I was like, I'm making the most of it. YOLO and all that. So I have you here to talk about body acceptance and body positivity. It's a weird, fraught, 
topic considering what an excellent thing it actually is. So can you talk to us about some of like the pitfalls and mistakes we can make with body positivity? Sure. I think one of the main things, and you mentioned there like that it is fraught, but I would agree with that because I think it's hard to say, you know, there's no one way like anything. It's not one size fits all, no matter what society tells us. Um, And so I think body positivity, fat liberation, body acceptance, body neutrality, they're all different ways of saying, just let us live. And I think that when we talk about whatever body positivity means to us, because obviously someone who has lived through being in a bigger body than the one I am now, I've been in a smaller one, I've been a huge subscriber to diet culture, um, to come around through all of those you know, ups and downs to get to where I am now, where I will take a photo with a group of friends and I just go, yeah, post it. And they're like, oh, are you happy with it? I was like, I don't care. That's what I look like. As long as my eyes are open, like... <laughs> <laughs> That is a, that's a far cry from where I've been in the past. I'm like, no, no, hang on. Tilt your head back. Hold the camera up here. Selfie, selfie. Um, now I'm like, yeah, take a full length photo of me. I really, I mean, that's what I look like and I'm okay with that. And not that I think I look better or worse or whatever. I just, that's how I am. That's who I am. And I'm more than happy for, for that to be out there and for people to see me, uh, you know, in the, in the real, uh, because I don't, I don't worry as much as I used to about what I look like. I still care what I look like. I'm not, I'm vain, but (laughs) I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, I just go out in my pajamas. No, no. But I think um, the things that we, we, we go wrong with body positivity where we try to subscribe other people to our version of it. It's different for everyone. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about the term body neutrality? I stumbled upon that recently and I love it. I just really resonate quite well with body neutrality, but that's my version of what I think body neutrality is. So do you mind explaining to the people listening that might not have heard of it or understand what it is? Yeah, for sure. So when we think about body positivity, that's I embrace my body. I love my body, you know, putting, putting, positive connotations and things like that on it. Body neutrality is simply, I accept my body. I am at peace with the current state of my body. I realize that my body is simply a way for me to move through the world, that it's a vessel for my soul and it's not about what it looks like. Uh, and I think that's something that I actually came across a uh, young person by the name of Mia Finley. Uh, she's, I think, what Mia did next on Instagram is someone who wrote an article and I that was the first piece of writing that I had read about body neutrality and uh, I really enjoyed having a, a, like you say, a way to talk about how I feel about myself that's slightly different to body positivity because I don't always, you know, I'm not always like, yeah, I look good. I'm just like, yes, I exist. And I'm okay with that. And sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, yes, that is how I want to look. I am, I am being a physical embodiment of what I want to be and be perceived as, but body neutrality is, is I guess the side of it that allows you to continue to exist and not feel negative and toxic towards yourself without having to be like, I love everything about myself. I actually, that's what you nailed exactly how I feel about it because I love the body positivity movement, but also the way you feel about your body changes it ebbs and flows. And some days you wake up and you feel really good in your body. And other days you wake up and you think, I, I don't want to slap fake positivity on the top of this because I don't actually feel particularly brilliant in my body today. And that's why I really love not, not falling back on body neutrality, but choosing actively choosing body neutrality where I'm like, you know what? I don't feel particularly excellent today, but I'm choosing body neutrality and my body is a vessel for my soul and it's going to get me through the day and that's how I'm feeling about it today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that conscious choice to talk to yourself because you get in, you know, you're immediately in a kind of conversation with yourself. The minute you get up and you look in the mirror or you're, you're, you know, conscious of your body, you choose to have a conversation about how you feel, whether it's conscious or subconscious. Um, And being able to say, okay, not loving what I'm working with today, but I accept it. uh, I really think that's powerful because that's choosing not to run yourself down and it's choosing not to be like, I hate myself or I wish I was different in some way. So, so this is a big, big question, but what are your thoughts on the diet industry? (sighs) Thoughts, feelings, emotions. Ah, look, I think the diet industry is dangerous. It's toxic. It permeates almost every aspect of media And I look forward to the day that it's something we reflect on rather than that we're immersed in. Um, I hate diet culture and what it's taken from me. And I recognize that uh, I'm just one of billions of people who lost money and time and energy and, and spent wasted emotions on thinking that the diet culture and industry that had fed me all this BS about what I should and shouldn't do, eat, feel, what time I should drink a cup of lemon water, whatever it is. Um, Whether you drink water with your meal or before your meal. Remember when water was like, oh, it's really important whenever you drink water because that's going to affect your weight. It's not going to affect your weight. Shut up. It's going to affect a number on a scale that measures mass, but it's not actually affecting your actual weight because that's literally, yeah, anyway. So that, to me, I think those those ideas and those perceptions that the diet industry has has put into the world are really harmful but like anything that's been given a lot of traction it's going to take a long time to wind it back and that's why I really like that there's lots of people engaged with um, body positivity and and diet culture sort of anti-work but I do think that there's still a long way to go between uh, anti-diet and fat liberation which is somewhere where I think we we have a lot a long way to go and I Personally, I am so, uh, I guess I've been so exposed to people of all body shapes, sizes and abilities. I don't want to rule anyone out of feeling that they can be neutral about their body, that they can feel positive about their body, that they can accept themselves. Because my firm belief is that when you accept yourself, you're all the more willing to accept other people. And so for me, that means that even though the body positivity movement is not for people with low body weight or whatever, you know, however they want to describe themselves, people who are thin or slim or whatever. Being able to exist without judgment and comment from other people is for everybody. So I think that when we're able to unpack what it is that tells us that our value is inherently assigned to us through our looks and when other people don't believe that, that that way that we perceive ourselves within society will change because it won't, a, a different message that we feel about ourselves won't be reflected to us. We will all be feeling a little bit more like, yeah, I'm okay, they're okay, it's okay, okay. I love everything you said. I was like, yes, 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 I'm just nodding along here. So back to uh, the conversation around diet culture and weight loss. So I've noticed that there's a lot of people, you know, in the body positivity movement that um, are, are posting things like those opposite before and after photos, like where they used to be really thin and now they're bigger and they're happier and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, they're not quite as big as they used to be and that kind of stuff. And as someone you mentioned before that your body has been bigger than it is now, and it also has been smaller. 
I'm kind of starting to feel like weight loss isn't really something we're supposed to want or to achieve anymore. And I'm wondering if there's any space for it in the body positivity acceptance space at all. This is a really tough one. And I think it is. You know, that's, yeah. that's why obviously your, you know, your question is very much, um, something that I, I ask myself, like, I think intentional weight loss is a really, it's a, it can be a quite a triggering topic for some people, but, um, I've definitely me, put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, by the way, because you, <laughs> you, you are good like that. But yeah, I think there are reasons why losing weight or lowering your body mass would be a good thing for you, but it's not for anyone except you to decide and potentially a health professional with the caveat that that health professional <laughs> has made an assessment of this decision, not based purely on your weight, but your actual health and their understanding that health can be at every size. Do they even exist though? Do, I mean, look, there's a couple of, look, a pig went past my window. Um, no, no, there are, there are some wonderful medical professionals who I follow online. Dr. Joshua Walrich. Oh my God. Is he, is he that amazing guy? He's so dreamy. He's so dreamy. He's so gorgeous. Um, yeah, so there are, you know, they're the two that come to mind. Look right at us, over. like, telling, like, over. I know, swooning over this guy. Like, we're not supposed to put value on the way people look. We literally <laughs> no, know, just said like, that. I know. But he is really like, dreamy. <laughs> but it's, well, it's about his ethos and the way that oh. he, um, like, I certainly think, and Ben Carpenter, he's a, um, Ben? I, I We were talking about this before we started recording that I remember people's um, usernames more than their names sometimes. Yeah. So he goes by BD Carpenter, I think it is. I think his name is Ben, and which all the very best people are named Ben. And, <laughs> and so I, I love him. He is a personal trainer who, who uh, thoroughly dresses down fat phobic people on the internet and I really, really, really enjoy it. He's very, he's very funny and I like his style. But back to like the hot dreamy doctor we were just talking about. So he does a lot of dismantling of um, anti-fat bias, um, particularly in the medical profession. Yeah. As a woman who was quite overweight in high school and got teased quite a lot about being overweight, there is something that is just so lovely for a hot guy to be on my side. Yeah, totally. And look, part of me goes, we both know that that's internalized misogyny, valuing oh, a hot man's opinion absolutely. about our body. But also we've been taught that. Yeah. We've literally been taught from the minute that we could understand the difference between genders that have been assigned at birth that that we should value people who are male uh, or who present as men. That Well, I say that, but also I have never found um, that uh, I've, I've had a bad experience with fat phobia with someone who's a trans man. So mm. one of my good friends who's a trans man has never, ever made me feel any kind of way about my body. So I, I'm trying not to be exclusive with my language, but I think if we think about the times that we grew up in where um, good and open conversations about the gender binary being imaginary uh, were happening, we were taught that boys and girls are this and that and boys' opinion counts more than girls. So I think for me... I agree with you that it's nice and it's, you know, there are definitely some things that I need to unpack within myself when I get that much of a kick out of being told by a guy who I find physically attractive that I'm okay. Like I already know I'm okay, but I still love you for saying it. Thank you. So I think that's 
that's a, I think that's a totally okay thing to acknowledge that we still derive some level of validation from external opinions and that's why Instagram exists so that we can so that we can validate um, against external factors but also I think the idea that we know what's palatable and what's relatable and what people will listen to is still tied to patriarchal ideas of what's right wrong good bad etc so if the person that we know is going to get listened to is saying the same thing we've been saying it's both frustrating frustrating and heartening yeah. to be able to say see because that guy said it too that's what I've been saying the whole time but if you're listening as long as you're listening and I think that's probably another side of what you know for me the Bodzilla is I think people will listen to what I have to say so I learn from other people and I say this is what I've learned you could learn this too I learned from this person you should listen to them uh, I don't think of myself as being a person who knows more than anybody else or anything like that but I've got my own experiences that I can share but a willingness also to listen to amplify the voices of other people to realize that I'm not the most important person and to think if this needs to be said does it need to be said by me uh and and I think those are all powerful things that I've come to over the last sort of 12 to 18 months and I think that that's a significant piece of personal growth for me because I would often have characterized myself as the person that should say most of the things <laughs> yeah I'll raise my hand there as well I'm like who wants to hear yeah. what I have to say about Fetikis, this Fetikis, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we die without applause that's right Oh, hey, it's Carly. Just popping in to remind you to leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. Please go to the show page, not the episode page, and scroll down to the bottom where it says, leave a review. I will literally love you forever. Also, there is a bonus for this episode. It's a resource list of excellent blogs, Instagram accounts, and podcasts to listen to to help improve your language and actions around body neutrality. You can grab that as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. So can we talk a little bit about anti-fat bias? And when I first wrote this question and sent it to you, I used the term fat phobia. And then I did a little bit of research and realized that the term fat phobia is not a cool thing to say. So it's better to say anti-fat bias. And there were a few other terms that were a bit better, but please school me if I'm incorrect on that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on anti-fat bias? I think that it's one of those learned things. And, and to talk about that, because obviously that I've been using the term fat phobia as well. I, oh, how I do you feel like, about the term fat phobia? I, I don't, it doesn't like the actual word fat. It doesn't have weight for me. Huh. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> I heard what I was saying as I said, it I was like, oh, good one. Um, it doesn't affect me. In the same way that you can choose to self-identify in other marginalised ways and the language that you use is for you and not for other people, I think an acknowledgement that other terms for the same thing exist and certain people would like to use one or the other. I personally don't prefer to be called plus size. I'm fat and I'm cool with it. Um, But I think that, you know, the idea of fat phobia in itself or anti-fat bias or, um, you know, whatever body weight discrimination, all of the different things that we could, we could call it essentially for me, what it is and what it means or how I feel about it is that it's something that's put into every, it's just, it's handed to you with like the how to live, you know, manuals of life, which are just, you know, experiences and learnings and, and moments in time that you gather in your memory and, and build a whole picture of what the world's supposed to be like as you go along. And so 
I try my hardest not to allow conversations that have body weight in them to happen in front of my son uh, because I know that it's something that you learn it's something that you hold inside you it's something that you can internalize even as a fat person um I know that if I model not being in any way affected or given an opinion by another person's outward appearance that my child will learn that too and so I definitely think that for me unlearning fat phobia will be like the, the biggest thing that I'll have ever done because it was the first thing I was ever taught about myself and about my body was to notice that I was fatter than everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, sorry, I was just kind of like, that was just such a powerful sentence. And I was like, couldn't quite get back into the oh, yeah, conversation face, on that. You can yeah. see my face is really red. I get really emotional when I talk about this and not in a way where I'm like feeling uncontrollable or whatever, but just that I have so many feelings, you know, I need to bake a cake full of rainbows and all of that because I, I have a lot of feelings. Um, yeah, because I feel, I feel strongly about this, but also I feel at times feel absolutely hopeless. Like, oh, I just give up, forget it. Maybe I should just go on a diet. Yes, everyone, you heard it here first. The Bordzilla sometimes thinks to herself, maybe I should eat less. And then I'm like, nah. Um, <laughs> it's like Fat Amy. Maybe but also if eating less worked, then... I, yeah. And it often doesn't. No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, and it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's not enjoyable. It's not good. I don't rate it. No, Please definitely. don't take me saying that as an endorsement <laughs> for calorie restriction for the purpose of weight loss. So I did want to bring up one thing that has come up quite a bit, and I'm pretty sure I've seen you post about it, if I'm not mistaken. There's been a whole lot of rhetoric about... Uh, COVID kilos and, you know, you know, sticking your head in the fridge every five minutes while you're working from home and, oh, you know, everyone's got to lose their COVID-15. How damaging is that? I think if we've learned nothing else, it's that it's actually normal and common for us to seek comfort from different things. The same people who are talking about losing their COVID kilos were probably struggling through one of the hardest times of their, you know, in their entire life. You were living in Victoria during the lockdown. Um, you know, there were people who were living in actual, you know, Melbourne city that were not able to live their normal life. So why would they expect that they would keep their normal eating habits, sleeping habits, routines, etc.? And I think, yes, there is something that we need to talk about if we're using, um, you know, the different things that we might have as coping mechanisms and food's just one of those in a way that makes us feel bad about ourselves because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to unpack there i think if you're feeling down whether it's in the midst of covid or whether it's just because life stuff sometimes when you're a human being um if you reach for food or drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever it is and then you feel bad about yourself that's a that's a problem so I think people talking about losing their COVID weight or, you know, their biggest fear at the end of COVID wasn't that they were going to catch this virus and die, but that they would be fat, um, says a lot about, you know, the, the society that we live in. And I think the people who say, yeah, I relate, you know, I resonate with that, not realizing that the people that they know and love who might already weigh the weight that they're afraid of being can see that, can read that 
can know that their biggest fear is looking like us, me, people I know, um, fat people as a as a monolith, because of course we are. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, it's hard when you make jokes and you can see my face, but then people listening won't be able to say, and they'll be like, "They what?" I'm like, "No, I'm cute." No, it's they're landing cool. perfectly. <laughs> so yeah, I think conversations about the fact that during the weirdest, worst, strangest potentially even good because for some people they probably had more you know time and headspace than they've ever had before in their life if you're going to look at that and all you can think is oh but god i hope i don't get fat we have some really really significant work to do can you give the listeners three tips for truly embracing body positivity? And can you can you uh, kind of touch on body positivity at different sizes as well? Because I know that for me personally, that's been a really big struggle because I have been in a bigger body than the one I'm in now. I've been in a smaller body than I am that I am in now, and it's very different at different sizes. Yeah. I mean, three tips just from my life. I think if you be determined to understand that your body is supposed to change, don't be attached to the body you have today. It could be very, it could be different tomorrow. And that could be for a myriad of reasons. Uh, so that's tip number one, be, be determined to change so that when you do, you feel like you've achieved something rather than you've lost <laughs> something. Um, don't allow yourself to speak to yourself badly in public or just simply to yourself. Don't allow it. Um, I, I talk about, I think I have said this on every single podcast that I've done, <laughs> but I'm going to say it again because there might be one other person that hasn't heard it before. Um, I like to give myself the you lose buzzer noise when I go to say something negative to myself, which I do sometimes <laughs> still do. Also, when I'm doing, if you do you know the term body check, um, so when you're walking past a shiny reflective surface and you look to see like either how you look in comparison to a person who's a different shape and size to you or how you look like just, you know, is it flat enough? Is it pert enough? Is it whatever? If I go, if I feel myself, if I consciously come to that moment and go, oh, I'm doing that, or I go to say something bad, I say to myself, I just, and it's like negative reinforcement. So now I know my brain, I have trained my brain not to do that. Um, And the third thing is don't compare yourself to other people, not even yourself. Um, And that, you know, that again talks to what I've said about, uh, you know, accepting change, embracing change, working for change. Changing your body might be that your body will become smaller. If you embrace a new type of exercise or a new type of eating that's better for your health, if you have a, you know, let's gut health, I feel like is the, like one of the major things that so many people struggle with um, because of, you know, the way that we have learned to eat over time. And I think if you change what you do and that changes how you look, but you feel good, well, then that's the point. So, you know, um, I think, and comparison to your previous self, especially, and you talked before about the, the harmful ways that people compare before or after, or even, even if it's in a way that the rhetoric is supposed to be positive and, and, you know, empowering, that comparison still allows you to reflect on something that you no longer are and then creates a situation where you're wondering if you were better before. And I can tell you right now, you weren't. You're great. You're doing great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's what what you were saying about like if you change the way that you eat and it makes you feel better. So like I do intermittent fasting and I eat low carb, 
high fat and neither of I do neither of those things for weight loss clearly because otherwise I'd be a stick and I'm not so (laughs) that's the thing and my partner does them as well and he's already an incredibly slim tall man and we just do he does those as well just for energy levels for general feeling good for not getting tired and you know not getting kind of slumps in the afternoon so yeah I just I really appreciate you putting that kind of thing onto it so you mentioned gut health do you do anything for gut health so I don't, and the reason that I don't is because, and some people who've been following me for a while would know already that, and you probably already know, that I had weight loss surgery. And so that has affected my ability to engage in a lot of that stuff because I have a totally different gastric system now oh. because I, I messed with it. I should have just minded my business. <laughs> um, How do you but, feel about your surgery now? Do you, do you, are you glad you had it or do you regret it at all? Neither. Um, I, I, you have body neutrality about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, basically I, I don't regret it because I already did it and I wouldn't tell myself to do it. Um, because I now believe that my value isn't attached to my size. So I simply accept it. And I, and I definitely think that, um, for me, when I did have that surgery, everything that happened after that for me was like, it was a good thing. And, and, and I'm not saying that it was because of it, because a lot of still like pretty crummy things happened. And I think I thought that losing weight would change my life and make everything better. And all it did really was it, it made, it did empower me and made me feel confident because I was still subscribing to that idea that thinner is the winner. And so I, I read that in a book once and I never <laughs> forgot it. Um, oh God, it's horrible. <laughs> it's a, it was a book about ballet dancers. If that surprises you, I don't oh, think it will. No. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, for me, I, I attached the idea that my life changing for the positive was associated with my weight loss at first. And then I realized that it actually was my attitude. It was everything that was coming from within. And yes, that was formed off the back of that inherent diet culture and toxic idea that I had finally done the thing that was going to fix all the problems. No, but I had decided to tolerate less bullshit. I knew who my real friends were. I started to engage with really great people in conversations about feminism and smashing the patriarchy. And I realised that actually, no, my weight was never the problem. It was shit people, shit attitudes and shit behaviour from me and from them. And, And when I stopped doing those things... I felt a lot better. Things seemed better. So again, I think if you're working towards changing things and you think that weight loss is the answer to fixing your problems, that tells me that you think your weight is the problem and it's not. It is much more about the people that you surround yourself with. I've recently stopped following any kind of like health inspiration, fitness bloggers, because you you think that it's inspirational, but it just makes you feel like garbage. I've just started following more people like you and I've been following another woman called Meg Boggs who I love oh, and I love, I, I love Meg. I often she share her stuff. She reminds me of you. She reminds me of you. She's oh. a curly girl and because you're you know she's all about the strength and she eats she's well into and- fitness as well yeah. Yeah so I was like oh she's so so I love that you yeah like she's so, I just love her. I was just like oh my god you are you are so my friend. This is this yes. is a thing. I, I yeah I adore her. I often share her workout videos because she is so fit. And I just love. I don't want to be strong like men. That just yeah, like, that, that is was nothing. So funny. <laughs> I've never seen anything that made me just go, yeah, babe, yeah. Ugh. Other than that, oh, it was so good. So to cap it all off, can you please give the listeners three things they should stop doing when it comes to body positivity and focused more on society rather than themselves? Yes. 
Number one, stop saying, oh yeah, I got teased too for being too thin. I never want to hear that sentence again. I hate that. Ever. And I'll tell you why. It's not because you weren't, because you know what? I have a friend, she's one of my best friends, and I teased her when I was a kid because she was thin. So that's not not a thing. Like, mm. I know. Because I was deflecting how much I got hassled, and you relate to this, in, in high school, I was deflecting onto her that that problem. But when we do that, what we don't acknowledge is all the things that being thin didn't take away from you. And so we just need to stop that, yeah, but rhetoric. And that's about anything. Yeah. Right? When we're talking about all of the ways that we're trying to dismantle oppressive systems yes but is a sentence that needs to go in the bin yeah um, it's like you, you can't tease someone like being being teased for being rich or being too white it's like <laughs> cry me a river i don't care correct I, i'm just like pre um, <laughs> yeah it's like okay you you having problems and you being systemically oppressed and you're the generations of your family that came before you, yeah like it's not yeah it's, it's not the same no we're not the same it's a different conversation um, Yes, oh, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Um, and so that's number one. Number two is be an ally. Um, and that is if you love a brand and they don't sell clothes that fit your fat friend, let them know that they should. Um, and if you are, you know, even as a fat person, um, for me, I can still buy clothes from more shops than people who are bigger than me. So I, I adhere to that as well. Um, and allyship in the ways that you would step in if you see someone getting side eye because they are being you know taking up more space physically than someone else or um you know i read about an experience online from someone i follow who talked about going to the theater and the seats are really small the person next to them actually saying out loud i don't want to sit next to them they're taking up my they're taking up my seat or you know being really rude i don't want and you know slight you know saying slurs and stuff which i won't repeat and if you see that you need to call that person out and especially if you have the privilege to know that they're not going to come at you. I, and you, So that is not necessarily where I would say, hey, from one fat person to another, you should step in on my behalf. No. But if you're a person who can come and say, hey, man, that ain't cool, be like Joshua Walrich and use your privilege for good. <laughs> use your hot person privilege to That's smash right. down those come barriers. Come in there and be like, I disagree and you suck as a person. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the third thing that you know we need to not forget or that we we shouldn't we should stop doing or that we should do more of i'm not really answering the question the way you wanted me to but i just oh you're answering it perfectly i'm like fist bumping here like yes (laughs) as we can all tell the third thing is just honestly say something nice to yourself every day stop allowing yourself to say something crappy so instead swap swap the bad thing you were about to say for something else and if you were about to say oh, I look so, I look so blah. I feel so shit because I'm so this or that. Um, Don't paraphrase it and change it to something lighter. Just overrule it completely and say, I'm really happy that my hair's growing out since I shaved my head. It looks really cute and my curls are really (laughs) bouncing. Like you don't have to, you don't have to say the opposite thing. Just don't say that. Just say like, oh, like I really like how your freckles look with that sunscreen. You know, like whatever it is, because I got to say, La Roche Posay sunscreen tinted moisturizer. Mm, I look, they pop. They, look, I just look so cute. I'm like, look at me. I'm so, I'm glowing. Um, and that's not sponsored, but like, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> well, I know you love sunscreen. I do. I'm so, hardcore into sunscreen. Yeah, yeah. So that's my thing. Just it doesn't have to. You don't have to lie to yourself. Don't be toxic. Like, don't toxic positivity has no place in in body love self-acceptance or or any of that 
But if you can just say something nice instead of something nasty to yourself, uh, then I think that you will learn to say nice things first and you won't have to think about it. So this is usually the part of the show where I talk about how I do the thing the episode is about, but I'm at the beginning of my journey with this. So here are some things I'm pledging to do moving forward. I feel like it's okay to not be perfect with this stuff right off the bat. It's a journey and here's how I intend to approve. I'm going to try to stop commenting on bodies. I have already started doing this and I've been doing it for years, but I'm doubling down on it now. I just feel like the 80s and the 90s have a lot to answer for. Most of us grew up in a world where it was totally fine to comment on other people's bodies, whether they'd gained weight or lost weight, how skinny someone was, how fat someone was. Like you'd be watching a movie and you'd hear things like, oh, look at how tiny her waist is. I wish my waist was that small. Or, oh, can you imagine having lovely slender arms like that? Or her boobs are far too big. It was just all so damaging. And I refuse to be a part of that moving forward. To me, no one has a perfect body anymore. I do still comment on people's appearances, but never, ever on their size. I told a woman once who worked at a cafe that she had the peachiest, loveliest face I'd ever seen. I actually used those words and she was stoked. Like she was just visibly so happy. So I think it's important to keep complimenting people, but try to focus on things that aren't related to their body, like their outfit, their lovely smile, that cool tattoo on their leg. Even if you think their body is really awesome, just don't comment on it. I am also going to stop fetishizing thin people. This is a really hard thing for me to admit, and it's something I've been working on very hard all of my life. Thin people have always fascinated me. Just watching them eat and not gain weight has been an ongoing sport for me, and I've long stopped wishing that my body did that. It's definitely time to let that dream die. But really, it's not that impressive. People with fast metabolisms do nothing to achieve thinness. So me fixating on it is like freaking out about how the moon comes out every night. It's just a thing that happens. And it's really weird for me to focus on it. So no more of that. I am also going to work on my internalized anti-fat bias. This was something that April brought up as well, where you do that body check, where you look at yourself in the mirror or in a shop window and you compare yourself to yourself or you compare yourself to somebody else. I truly don't believe that I have anti-fat bias. I have at stages of my life identified as being fat and I heartily love lots and lots and lots of fat people. I do not and have not discriminated against fat people. However, with all of that said, I do actually have anti-fat bias. I will often, particularly if I've gained weight, compare myself to people who are bigger than me. And I have thought, well, at least I'm not as fat as that person. I really, really hate admitting that. It is a gross, intrusive thought that does nothing to build my self-esteem. And it just pointlessly tries to elevate myself in my head above another person for no reason other than my own internalized anti-fat bias. So the reason I'm admitting this, and it is so, so embarrassing, is because it actually matters. Even though no one hears it, and I'm not saying it out loud, what I think is what I become. And I really don't want to be the type of person who measures people's worth by what they weigh. I actively and loudly try not to do that. So I can't continue to allow my brain to keep thinking that way. So I've come up with a bit of a plan to stop doing this. The only reason why I'm talking about it, it's so weird talking about my internal monologue and admitting what that means because it should actually just be a moot point, but it's not. And this is just something I would like to share with people in the hope that I can encourage them to do the same thing. 
So there's this fantastic book that I read called Overcoming Unwanted Intrusive Thoughts by Seif and Winston, and they suggest this seven step process for dealing with intrusive thoughts. So what I'm going to do whenever I have any anti-fat bias thoughts, I'm going to label those thoughts as intrusive thoughts. So the next time I find myself inwardly comparing my body to another woman's, I will label that thought as intrusive. I'm going to remind myself that these thoughts are automatic. They're not up to me. They are a result of my conditioning. They're not my innate thoughts. They're not who I truly am. I'm going to accept and allow the thoughts to sit in my mind. I'm not going to try to push them away or replace them with anything else. I'm going to allow myself time to process those thoughts. I am also going to remember that less is more. I'm going to pause, give myself time. There's no urgency to deal with this straight away. I'm going to expect those thoughts to come back again because it's not a tap that I can just turn off. And I'm going to continue doing whatever I was doing prior to the intrusive thought while still allowing my anxiety over that thought to be present. So this is about letting go of the emotional reaction to these intrusive thoughts. And with time, hopefully they will stop resurfacing. That was a really, really hard thing to share. And I hope that it was helpful and that people aren't just thinking I'm a dreadful person. On that note, I'm also going to try to decenter myself from the conversation. So I've been writing in the self-improvement space for over a decade, and I've spoken often about weight gain and weight loss, and I'm cringing at the few times I posted before and after shots of a weight loss journey. I haven't spoken about weight loss for a good few years, and I also haven't referred to weight gain. When I had my kid, I didn't discuss what happened to my body in an appearance-based way. I'm still working on this in private. I'll often talk to my mates about weight loss and weight gain and how I'm adjusting my eating or something like that. I am trying to do this less and less because honestly, it's so boring. Sometimes it comes up after a few glasses of wine and that's cool, but there are just so many other things I'd rather talk about than the same 10 kilos I've been gaining and losing for a decade. It's just such a yawn fest. One of the most important things I pledge to do in my journey of body positivity and body neutrality is that I'm going to raise my daughter with hardcore body neutrality. I do not talk about her body in front of her. I rarely talk about her body when she's not around. I grew up doing dancing and theater and I knew all my body flaws. I knew I was tall, broad-shouldered, chubby. I knew this because people told me and they told me often. I'm trying my hardest not to talk about her body or mine in front of her. I confidently walk around naked in front of her. If I try on a piece of clothing that doesn't fit, I just quietly put it back in my cupboard rather than making a song and dance of how much weight I've gained. I sometimes eat ice cream in front of her. Sometimes I say I don't feel like an ice cream today. We don't demonize any foods, nor do we put them on a pedestal. I never make comments about other people's bodies in front of her. I just look at her beautiful little body and how confident she is in her own skin. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail to see that last as long as I possibly can. Uh, Many, many years ago, I was at a wedding and someone I know was there with her 16-year-old daughter. And there was another person at this wedding who had an incredibly slim frame and she had recently given birth, I think maybe a month or two earlier. The mother took her 16-year-old daughter aside, pointed at this slim girl and said, look at that. She had a baby two months ago. Isn't that amazing? And in that moment, I didn't even have a kid. I wasn't even thinking about having children at that point. But I witnessed this moment and thought that 
is one of the worst things you could possibly say to a 16 year old. And I am pledging. It was so innocent. It was such an innocent moment, but I just looked at that moment and thought, I'm not going to do that. I am not going to revere weight loss. I am not going to put anyone on a pedestal who has bounced back from having a baby. I'm not going to point out anything about anyone's body that would make my daughter feel like there is anything wrong with her body. That was just a little story I wanted to share that really cut me to my soul. And I just really wished that I could have taken back what that mum said to her daughter in that moment, because it probably caused a lot more damage than she would have realized. So this episode was really deep. I hope you're feeling okay after listening to it. The main goal from this discussion is to encourage body neutrality or body positivity, if that's what works for you. I want everyone to wake up every day, move their bodies and nourish them and not to think about their bodies at all. Like your body's just a vehicle. Just let it drive your soul around and have a rad time. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits, and you can also email me at contact at carlyjacobs.com. You can also record a question for me to answer on the show, speakpipe.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. Also, if you love the show, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. Even $5 a month is a huge help in covering all of the production costs. Just visit patreon.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. This week's episode bonus is a list of recent resources around body positivity and body neutrality, books to read, cool people to follow, podcasts to listen to if this is something that you would like to explore further. Until next time, remember, little habits, big life.